Okay, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 19 through 21. I'm going to talk about heaven. <laughs> Divine appointment. Hey, well, it's where I'm supposed to be. Thank you. That's affirmation. Let's talk about heaven. Oh, if you don't talk about heaven and you're going through trials, it's going to be tough. Because until you so, sort of get an eternal viewpoint of things, life is uh, very, very t uh, difficult. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Jennifer, for that. In verse 16, or 19 of uh, Matthew chapter 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. We think about it here. There were some in the Bible that had visions. Ezekiel uh, had a vision of heaven. We know John there on the island of Patmos had a vision. We know Stephen there as he was being stoned that he had a vision also. So uh, there were some visions there and uh and Paul, of course, was taken up into the heavens. And uh, so there are many people that have had these. And obviously, I believe that when God sees that you absolutely, you desperately need a particular revelation, I believe in his sovereignty and the way he deals with us, is that he reveals those things that will encourage us. It seems to me it's just the right way and the right time. It's like the Spirit of God sort of comes along and he, he gives you a breath of fresh air. He gives you a little bit like, don't give up keep going. And that's what we see when we begin to think about uh, heaven. But you know, people who are really affluent and so forth and who are doing really well, their minds many times are only on the temporary matters, upon the temporal matters, those things that are only temporary. They're, they're thinking about how can I get the kids to the next game and so forth or activity. They're thinking about paying the bills. They're thinking about putting up with a demanding boss or they're just trying to get a little bit better education or a house or a car or maybe they're trying to lose weight or to get in shape or they're, they're, they're trying to do something that is just temporary. But when we think about and keep our minds thinking about the eternal aspect of life, it gives us hope and anticipation. And we think, well, we're not there yet. We could be there at any moment. We never know what will happen to us. Uh, Dolores, and we need to pray for, for the families of the two ladies over in Dickinson that the man ran over. They were trying to help. And Evelyn knows and went to school with one of them. And uh, they were out there trying to help a dog. They were animal lovers. And a man came through and killed all three, the two ladies and also the dog. It was a tragedy over here on 517. It was just a, a, a tragedy. And they never thought about that, Evelyn. Uh -huh. Oh, they did. Yes, yes. Oh, I know, I know. I, I just, it's, it's a, it stayed on my mind because when I saw it, I thought how tragic. And they, they were, they were animals lovers. And I think it worked in something to do with some animal care and so forth. They were just people that loved, you know, life. Gosh. 
be in prayer for those those ladies' families over there also. They were, you don't know, do you? You don't know. They didn't ever think that. They got out of the car to help a, a, a dog had been hit. And, uh, and then all three there are killed here. And so the question is, is that how are we living our lives and are we living our lives in the light of eternity? Thinking about it here. Moses prayed this in Psalm 90. Listen to this. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they're 80 years, yet their boast is on only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Now listen, key verse. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That should be a prayer that we have. Lord, teach us to number our days. And I believe the ability to number our days and certainly to live in anticipation of eternity, that is a gift from God. And so we don't know that time. But there's something about it when we're like, Lord, teach us to number our days. Maybe he's saying here in a way, and the way I think of it, is teach us to realize the brevity of life that's spoken of in James chapter 4. Because James chapter 4, it says, it is even a vapor, life is, is a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. It's very, very quick. It's very, you know, you, you, you kind of uh, have a mist that comes out and you see it blow away. It goes quickly and I, I see that in my life, and I know y'all have seen that too. Life is like a vapor. And and so why does James ask that question about it being a vapor and so forth? I believe that, that the Bible is trying to get Christians to view life differently from the way that the ungodly view it. The Epicurean philosophy of life is to simply live for one's own pleasure. Once it's over, it's over. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Isn't that what they tried to do during the days of Noah? So just eat, drink, and this be having a good time, and that's it, and so forth. And so the, the, the secular way of looking at things is that viewpoint. It's a philosophy. And think about it. I thought about it in terms of, of something I'm reading, and uh, tonight I'm going to a, a Jewish celebration, a messianic, it's, it's messianic, but I'm going to a church I've been invited to um, the beginnings of Rosh Hashanah, which is the Day of Atonement, and it's actually the Feast of Trumpets tonight. And actually that feast that uh, people celebrate, we don't celebrate the feast. Some uh, even in the in different church circles celebrate the feast, not for their salvation, but the feasts are there as a reminder for what God has done for us. And so I'm going to that, and, and, and I've been reading a book that I've uh, been given and, and, and three ways of thinking. One is the barbarian way of thinking, and that's sort of like the Muslims do, is, is that you make war and conquer those who are weaker than you are. And then there's the Greek way of thinking, is uh, the study theology and doctrine to reason out questions about, you know, an intellectual type of pursuit. You remember what happened in Acts chapter 17 when Paul went there in, on Mars Hill and he kind of tried to, 
to reason with the Greeks and their philosophical way of thinking and so forth. And, and they talked about their unknown God and so forth. And then there is the Hebrew way of thinking and, and that, that takes the attitude is, is we may not understand God, but we'll love and worship and obey Him. And so we have the mind of God. I've been talking about this. We've got to think more like God thinks. We've got to think the way He thinks and to be able to see the way He sees and so forth. And so I thought about it. I, when I was in college, and the first two years of my college, it was a real struggle. The last two years, I did better and graduated, of course. But but I took philosophy. Anybody in here took take philosophy in college? <laughs> Did philosophy make any sense to you? Philosophy made no sense at all to me. And and so often today, when I see people saying certain things and their ideology and the way their their political beliefs are or maybe the way they think about things, I'm thinking, that makes no sense to me at all. Isn't it a time we come back to common sense? Isn't it a time that we just come back and think the way God thinks and see the way He he thinks and and not necessarily we understand everything that God does, but that we obey Him and we step out in faith and we follow Him no matter where He leads us, we will follow? That is the Hebrew way of thinking. It's seeing and by faith moving out when we believe it. may not understand it and may not see the fullness of what God wants to do. But just walking by faith and not by sight. Not trying to analyze everything. Because when you begin to analyze certain things, you become frustrated here. But we've got to keep our minds upon the eternal aspect of life. Because I believe that when we invest in eternity, that that lasts for eternity. But when we invest in the temporary things of life, obviously we know that they turn to dust and and the moth come in and so forth. It's not lasting. And so the question is where where our investment is. Where is your investment today? Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth and the rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. For where your treasure is, there it is there. My affection and my love and my gratitude actually will gravitate towards my investment. If I invest there in the earnings in the stock market, then I'll want to keep a close eye on the stock market to see how it's doing. If I certainly invest in a particular stock, certainly. If if But if we invest in eternity, then eternity will capture your heart. It's what your mind, thinking like God, it's what your mind is stayed upon. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in the Lord. When we have an, when we invest our time, when we, we invest our, our monies and our talents and our gifts and all these things in the things that are eternal, they will bring back marvelous and wonderful reward. But those things that we invest in that are only temporary, they are only temporary. In Proverbs 4, 4.23, it says, Keep 
your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life here. So we talk about it in Colossians chapter 3. Set your affections or your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. I believe the devil would love to steal our anticipation of heaven. They get so caught up in these things, of uh, this earthly things, that we don't have the joy there of our future. We forget about where we're headed. We forget about that all these trials you're having, all these challenges you're having, whatever it may be, are only temporary. And they're things to train us, to get us ready for eternity. We forget about that, don't we? But if we keep our mind stayed upon heaven, and you remember there when uh, the rescue of the survivors of the Indianapolis, I believe it was World War II there, a man was floating in shark-infested waters. He was hungry and thirsty, and his circumstances are terrible. And he looks up and sees a rescue plane with a man waving at him. That, he said, was the happiest day of his life. What made him happy? He was still in some miserable set of circumstances and I believe what made him happy was anticipation made him happy. Anticipation knew that he was going to be taken out of those waters, that he was going to be rescued. And you see, our anticipation of heaven will make us happy, will make us joyful, will make it all the difference in the world regardless of what your circumstances are. And that's why I talk about come into the church house anticipating, obviously worshiping the Lord and 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 encountering God, being changed when you leave this place. That's what it's all about, thinking about heaven. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, if we're looking forward to what this world can give us, and, and we offer, obviously, certainly, we will not be happy here. Our hope is not found in the systems of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. Our hope is in God and what He has prepared for us. You remember Abraham and Sarah. They lived their lives looking for something that could never be found in the earthly realm. They were old, remember? Uh, they were past the child. Sarah was past the childbearing age and all. And, and, and God had already gave, given him a promise. He looked up at the sky and he says, your descendants will be numerous, just like the sky, the stars in the sky. Look up. I want to give you this promise. Well, the time went on and on and on. He never saw anything different change. And, and then eventually things did change there. So in Hebrews chapter 11, listen to what he says, that they were able to get through this for they look for a city whose builder and maker is God. They had a vision of eternity. They had a vision beyond what they were seeing in the natural realm, beyond just in their own lifetime. They saw beyond their lifetime. And they said they had, they saw a city whose builder and maker is God. So why would they somehow forfeit the comforts of the city there that they lived in and, and certainly and live as nomads there and just had tents with no permanent dwelling? Why would they do that? Why would we go through what we go through? It's because we have a vision, certainly, of a city whose builder and maker is God. In Hebrews chapter 11. They have that vision. Isn't that neat just to see that? Certainly, the scripture adds this comment there. Listen to this. 
Therefore, down a little bit further down in chapter 11, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. When we have that vision, then what God is saying to you and me is that He certainly, He's not, a be, he's not ashamed of us calling Him our God. Because we have a vision, because we look forward to eternity, because we look forward to that place that God has prepared. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll come back and receive you unto myself, that you may be where I am also. I've got a place prepared for us. Talking to a young man at Waffle House. God's got a plan. He's got something laid out for you. You see, because if you think about it, as human beings... There's a searching that's going on in our hearts. We, again, want to know something that is real. And we want to know that there's a plan out there. That's why when people are looking for that plan, they're trying, they're searching down deep because the Bible says that He has set eternity in every man's heart. He has placed that down deep in our hearts. And Abraham and Sarah were able to go through there. They didn't pass every test, obviously. God tested them. And uh, remember, Abraham even denied that Sarah was his wife and so forth. And, and, and God protected them in that. He didn't pass every test. But they had a vision of a city, certainly, whose builder and make it, maker is God. Do you have that vision? You thinking about it? You won't make it through this life unless you realize this is not our home. This is not where it is, certainly. Obviously, you and I make choices every day that deal with the same issues here. Will I take the easy road, flow with the crowd, seek my own comfort and ease, or will I do the will of the Father? One or the other. Seeking to do my will or the will of the Father. And so we think about it here. And the questions we have, what is life all about? We're having, having people ask that, these questions all the time. What's life really like? Why am I here? Is God really a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him? Is God's Word true? What is God? We're searching, and God wants to be found, I want to tell you today. The Bible says that we shall find Him when we seek Him with all of our hearts. And I believe even in that, it's amazing grace as the Spirit of God draws a person. I don't think you come to the Lord except that somehow the Spirit of God draws you. In fact, I'm certain of that because the Bible says so. No one comes to the Father except that the Spirit draws them. And so certainly these things are happening today. Will I make decisions in the context of eternity or under a temporary Epicurean mindset? All of His promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. Every promise will be fulfilled, but we need to get in on it. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit to bring about those promises in our lives because they're yes and amen. But it means that we surrender. It means we submit our lives to Him. It means that we are no longer, we realize we're no longer our own, that we've been bought with the price, the precious blood of the Lamb there. And I believe today we think about it. When God, may God give us the wisdom to number our days and invest our lives wisely during the short time that we have on that, this earth. So there's some reasons for anticipating heaven. Well, this is good news, church. We all get a body makeover. You won't be too skinny and you won't be too fat. We all get that. Anybody say, yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. 
we will be exactly, we will get a glorified body. The body like Jesus, obviously. And, and, and we'll have, you know, no longer will we have any of these aches and pains and all the things that we obviously know go along with it as we get older, certainly, there. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, one star differs from another star in glory. And I believe there that that indicates that there will be varying manifestations of glory in resurrected saints. We'll all be glorified. The Bible's clear about that. But the degrees of that glory will be determined and manifested in our lives by how obedient we are in this life. I believe we'll be given positions, places of authority that, that because we were responsible in this life, that then we'll be given responsibility in the eternal life and God will put us in different places for particular responsibilities to follow Him. We'll never get tired. We'll have a glorified body, obviously. And you think about it here. The second thing is, how about the food bar? The food bar. Now, in our way, in our human body, those things that seem to be really good, they seem to be bad for us, right? I like fried chicken. I like sweets, you know. But those things that don't really taste that good, they're the ones that seem to be good for us. Well, that's not the way that it's going to be in heaven. In Matthew 8, Jesus said, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. A feast will be there. Think about it. It will be all you can eat and supernaturally the calories will be removed. That's good. The food bar. Amen. That's what's going to be good. Now, y'all are laughing, you're saying, you know, because I always, I'm telling you, I was reading an article, article the other day, and, and you're somebody, we, you know, we're talking about dogs and cats. What will be there? The things that I believe that God knows we'll enjoy, what we enjoy, enjoyed here in the sense that certainly we're not simple and so forth, will be there with us and all. And, you know, I got called out one time because I said this. I was preaching as a new preacher. And I was talking about, well, maybe dogs are in heaven. And man, I want to tell you, I got some responses from that. And ain't no dog going to be in heaven. Ain't no cat's going to be in heaven and all that stuff. Who knows how we know that? God doesn't want to take pleasure away. I love our first cat. Our cat, our second cat is a little different, but our first cat, I loved that cat and she was loyal and all that and really loving. Always was, was very, uh, just committed to us and so forth. And I was, I was, after we had to put her down because she had renal failure, I was vacuuming one day and, and I was crying about it. I was grieving over it. And then I started laughing right in the middle of, of vacuuming and Cindy's sitting over there and I said, what am I crying about? She was just a cat, you know? But they're part of the family. Will they be there in heaven? Maybe. Maybe it'll be in heaven also. Those things that we enjoy there because God wants us joyful. Whatever, whatever under obviously in the right way, those things in heaven, certainly our victory will be complete, will be perfected in holiness. The tempter will be cast into the lake of fire. No temptation, no inclination towards sin, no struggle with sin. There, that it will be obviously without any of those things in heaven. That's what it's going to be like. And every, in heaven, everything will make sense. You think about it in your life. Nothing makes sense here. And we, the just, the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. But we are trying to figure it out. It's like nothing, everything in heaven is going to make sense. Isn't that great? 
There won't be this nonsense that we see today in the political realm. You're like scratching your head and saying, that's, that's just dumbfounded. That's not right. It's not going to have any of those frustrations when we get to heaven. That's a blessing. You know that old song that we've always we've talked about and I've talked about over the years? Old timers told me about it. Said, Jim, we'll understand it in the by and by. Well, we will understand it in the by and by. It will all make sense there. In 1 Corinthians 13, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, just a little bit, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Certainly here, we come to know God more and more and more. And as Christians, we're now living in eternal life because once you accepted Christ, you begin that eternal life there. And we're getting to know God. But in heaven, I believe the fullness of that veil, if you look at it like that, will be pulled back and we will know God face to face. That's really awesome there. More we'll know Him. Heaven's not going to be boring because God is there. Heaven will be heaven because God is there. In Revelation 21, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He shall dwell with them and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. God Himself will be with us in heaven. Now that is something to shout about. Hallelujah. That's something that we can get excited about and look forward to and look past these circumstances and the temporary particular arena of this life. We can look forward to those things. Now, the next thing is going to be great. The worship in heaven is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome, like nothing we've ever, ever, ever experienced before. We've been talking about, again, some in the services, but also on Wednesday night, about the rebuilding of David's tabernacle. Think about it there. I believe that that tabernacle, where there was open worship there, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with all the musicians that played the instruments and all the singers, they were singing and praising God 24 hours a day. I believe that David's tabernacle is a prophetic view of what the church during the millennial, the eternal church, will look like as we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords 24-7. Worship will be awesome there. We will be singing new songs all the time there. And heaven will be fun, be fun because obviously old acquaintances, old acquaintances will be renewed. People that are Christians that have gone before us we will sit down with them. We'll see them there. We know all the Abraham and Jacob and, and Peter and James and John there. All of these, Elijah and Moses, all of them will be there. We will sit down with them. That will give us great anticipation of seeing our family members that have gone before us. Isn't that something to think about? All I'm saying today is this is a reminder because we get focused on this old world in so many ways. There is a heaven, a great place that we will go as you're saved by the blood of the Lamb there. It won't be any more frustrations. It won't be any more of that stuff. One day old things will pass away and all things will become new. Revelation 21 here talks about those who won't be there, those who are cowardly, those who, who would not put their trust in Jesus Christ, those who obviously did their own thing in this life there, Certainly, the unbelieving crowd would not be there. The uh, abominable people will not be there. They're polluted with evil. They've not been cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. The murderers will not be there. The sexual immoral will not be there. 
people that are doing these things will not, the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars there will not be there. And that's why when you need to pray for people because they're lying and they lie. Many people are deceived today and they don't even realize it. We need to pray for them. We need that. We know the truth there. Well, it's good news. The wickedness will not be there in heaven. It will be a place without any pain, suffering, death, tears, sorrow. All of those things will not be there. C.S. Lewis said this, and I'll close with this. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. I'll read it again. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present time or world were the ones who thought most of the next world. And that's why we're talking about it today. I want to read this to you. This is some song from Jeremy Camp. And it's about what we are talking about. The words go like this. I try to hold on to this world with everything I have, but I feel the weight of what it brings and the hurt that tries to grab. The many trials that seem to never end, His Word declares the truth that we will enter into this rest with wonders anew. But I hold on to this hope and the promise that He brings that there will be a place with no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. But until that day, we'll hold on to you always. I know the journey seems so long. You feel you're walking on your own. But there has never been a step where you walked out all alone. Troubled soul, don't lose your heart because joy and peace he brings. And the beauty that's in store outweighs the hurt of life's sting. But I hold on to this hope and the promise that he brings. There will be a place with no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. But until that day, we'll hold on to you always. I can't wait until that day where the very one I've lived for always will wipe away the sorrow that I've faced, to touch the scars that rescued me from a life of shame and misery. This is why, this is why I sing. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. No more pain, no more of any of these things. If you don't anticipate heaven and invest your life into the eternal aspect of life, then what will happen is is that you'll begin to get hunkered down in the here and now. And you'll become discouraged. But if you keep your vision upon that city whose builder and maker 
is God, then you'll be able to persevere, just like Abraham and Sarah and all of the saints that have gone before you. And then we can look forward to that day when we're all joined together under the banner and love and grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? I want to tell you. Heaven, remember it. You can only imagine what it will be like when we stand in the presence of the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful blessing. The story about the, if you've ever seen that, that movie, uh, exactly how it came about. Uh, wonderful, wonderful ending. Uh, the lead singer, Bart Milner, will see his father again, who got saved there at the end of his life after uh, he had abused Bart for years and uh, they came to the Lord. And Bart wrote that song and sang in anticipation of being with his father and other loved ones when he went to heaven. That is what we have as far as our hope, the blessed hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, people are looking for hope. Be open, be ready, in season and out of season to share your faith with people that need to know that hope. Amen? Amen. All hearts clear. Thank you. It, can we stand for the benediction? The blessing, the, the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and, and, and bless you. The Lord bless you and praise you. We thank you, Lord. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon each one of you. And we ask you, Lord, that you would give us peace. And we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.